Oh, here we are again, another Overnight Scape Central, and uh, we're going to talk about products. Yes, what we produce, the results of production is a product. Uh, you can, uh, oh man, this just so, this could be very uh, clinical, fun, funny, and uh, with this particular lineup of stellar hosts, we are in for an absolute treat, no matter which way this all flows right now, because uh, how this is going to work is we are going to hear from Frank Edward Nora, Eddie Murray, and Chad Bowers, all three within the next little while here on your favorite collaborative effort. Uh, yeah, we've been doing this for years, so we've got this down to an incredible uh, arcane science of monologue and words into your brain, directly implemented through the Onsug system of fine programming and audio wonderment. Ah, yes. And uh, I am PQ Ribber, your host for uh, this ongoing series of fun. And uh, let's get the ball rolling right away. Uh, we usually uh, finish up with Frank Edward Nora, but uh, because we are now uh, producing a product, let's front load Frank and see what he has to say. Today is Monday, March 7th, 2022, National Cereal Day, yes. And in honor of that, I am wearing my uh, Sir Grapefellow t-shirt. The short-lived uh, Sir Grapefellow and Baron Von Redberry cereals from, what, 72, 73, or 74? One of those years. It didn't last very long, but I'm pretty sure that we had it in my household. Uh, those breakfast cereals, especially the ones sort of aimed at kids, especially back in the day, uh, one of the greatest products of all time. The... Uh, in a time where uh, children's uh, entertainment, television or otherwise, was much less dense than it is today, uh, breakfast cereals were um, uh, almost a miracle product for the child. At many different levels, right? Uh, you, you, you would go down the... When you're in the supermarket with your mother, most of the aisles are pretty boring, uh, you know, uh, with baking pans and vegetable oil, but then you go to the cereal aisle and it is chock full of cartoon characters and all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, and then, of course, the choosing, for the, which could be agonizing at times. There's so many to choose from. Which cereal will you choose? It's funny because I actually, I was uh, previous to this shirt, I was wearing Sonny the Cuckoo Bird, uh, my, one of my other cereal related shirts that I actually bought at. Um, Stephen Barry's University Sportswear there at the Manhattan Mall, the uh, the former ANS Plaza, way back in the day, 2000-something. Isn't it funny that the year 2000-whatever is way back in the day, yeah. Yeah, that was a place that, like, everything they, every piece of clothing they sold was for, like, it was, like, $10 or $12 for everything. You could buy a pair of pants, a shirt, uh, pay one price. It was, like, a dollar store for clothing. Um... Somehow they didn't make it. I don't know. I guess it just wasn't the best business. I, I don't know. I, th I think they overextended their credit line and uh, went, went bankrupt. But they did have a lot of the, the Gen X nostalgia stuff, right? And uh, the cereal shirts. And when it comes to nostalgia, you know, the cereal characters are the ones that I, I think gravitate towards. You know, those uh, Funko Pops, those, those horrible little 
deformed figurines with those dead black eyes that you see in pretty much every store these days you go into has a whole wall of this stuff. I have uh, I've learned my lesson when it comes to that kind of junk, and I've never bought one, and I never will. But the serial characters, you know, they had Sonny the Cuckoo Bird, the Leprechaun, the Trix Rabbit, Count Chocula, and his whole gang, you know, was the closest I got to being tempted. But of course, when it comes to cereal, you bring it home, and you eat it in a bowl of milk, and perhaps put extra sugar even on top of it. It is a taste treat, and you get the sugar rush and the sugar high. And, uh... (laughs) And at home, you have the box to look at with the characters on the front, but then also the back is usually changed up with different things. Maybe it's a little board game you can cut out, or a, 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 like a Frankenberry mask you can cut out, or simply informing you of the lovely prize you can expect inside, the toys. Uh, Alphabets, of course, had their little uh, mini terrariums, and I remember getting one of those. Um, I'm getting one, one of those little toy submarines you put baking soda in and it goes up and down in water. I don't know how that all worked. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was like toys and cartoon characters and sort of, uh, you know, again, at a time where there were times when you turned on the TV set and went through all the channels and there was nothing for kids on. That happened quite often before cable. But what is a product in general? It's uh, something that is produced, right? So almost anything is a product. Like this show is a product of of the imagination of uh, PQ River and the and the uh, guest hosts, right? Was there some some company, something something products of the imagination, you know, or a pro? It's, it's just a product of your imagination. That's what someone's imagining. Someone is sort of deluded. Oh, it's just a product of your imagination, or is it a figment of? No, I think some people say it's just a product of your imagination. Yeah. What kind of bird is that? Uh, <laughs> weird. Uh, I'm really con- con- I don't recognize that bird call. Feels like I, I'm in some sort of tropical zone with that kind of sound. Let me see if I can. S- I'm outside here. It's morning time. It's really very oddly warm. Ooh, there's a blue jay over there. A corvid, one of the most intelligent animals on earth. A blue jay. Who knew? can't tell where it's coming from. Oh, I'm going to take my earphones out. It's so strange. It's a product of, uh, it's a bird song product. A lot of birds around here. Weird. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I think that in, in a more narrow sense, I think when you hear the word product, you're thinking a, a packaged product that's been produced um, for mass consumption, right? So it's basically a product is something that is made for the masses, not for you specifically, but you can go to a store and pick it up off a shelf. You can order it from a catalog or from an online website, as they call them these days. They're one of those newfangled web, worldwide websites. And you can, uh, you can get this product. But there's something very much like... It, it's become sort of a universal. It's not really, uh, uh, you know meant for any anyone in particular, though, of course, some products target demographic groups, children, adults. There's some, you know, if you're part of a certain religion, there's products you might want to get. But in general, and of course, there's products for men and for women, you know, things like that. Uh, but in, in general, a product is this kind of universal uh, 
medium of, um, what's the right word, right? It becomes sort of a universal buffer between people. That is normally, like I think previously, things that were produced, as in like producing dinner, right? If you're in a house and you make dinner, it's, it's, it's all very much very personal. You're making dinner for a family. You're serving them. It's, it's not, it, is, it is a product of your work, but it's, when we're thinking of these prepackaged products um, where there's this buffer between the producer and, and the consumer, right? So go back in time a thousand years, there were not like, you know, well, I guess there were stores back then. Well, but in general, not like now where you go to the supermarket or the Target or Walmart and it's just chock full of products, you know. You can just choose out anything you want. And, and as long as you have the money to pay for it, you can take it with you, right? Something really fascinating about this world of products because, you know, the, the amount of work that goes into creating a product um, involves a lot of packaging, which involves a lot of um, very specialized processes, graphic designs, uh, all sorts of things. So, and at the same time products are being made, there's actually, they're also collectibles, right? It, it, potential collectibles. In my opinion, the, some of the most desirable collectibles are, are packaging, especially food packaging, uh, which is the rarest because this is something that, you know, you go to the stores, you go to the supermarket, you pick out your food, it's all in these colorfully, uh, you know, full color printed boxes, right? And, um, Bring it home. You consume the product within, and then you discard the box. And this is this is where we get so much of our what we call garbage, our trash. Uh, it, it is sort of a completely unnecessary aspect of this system, disposable packaging. But it's essential to products. And for example, I re- when I was y- younger, I got into the at least the idea of cereal box collecting. I never went down that route, but you know there was a a, a very a small press magazine called Flake. That that um, was an early, and I think I still have those issues somewhere in the '90s. Uh, an early magazine for uh, cereal box collecting, which which is a it's a field that's fascinating to me because uh, the supply is extremely limited. Who has a cereal box? My, of course, my period of cereal box interest would be the '70s because that's when I was a kid, right? So um, I've really wanted. Um, you know, a, a real pristine super super sugar crisp. Of course, Sir Sir Grapefellow and um, Baron von Redberry. Um, more recently, of course, I've been on a quest for the very specific. I think seventy four, uh, seventy two to seventy four, uh, post toasties box, which I didn't have a lot of personal experience with, but I have that picture of those campers stocking up at a at a state park in Texas, and there's a that post toasties box with the groovy lettering. Um, that is something where um, no one thought it was a collectible at the time, and the few that survived are very precious. Also, candy collecting. There's a, there's a website called CollectingCandy.com, and, and the, those products, the candy, with the um, their packaging, is also an incredibly rare collectible. One uh, specific one, and the, unfortunately, the site seems to have been semi-abandoned. Whoever's behind it. Uh, but a lot of stuff about Marathon Bars, which was a candy that was everywhere. All the kids had it. It was braided chocolate. It kind of lives on in the British curly-whirly. But um, this guy was on a quest. There's only a, really only a handful of uh, examples extant of the actual packaging. That is, one of the posts shows a picture, a black-and-white picture from a trade magazine ad 
showing a just a candy rack with you know twenty or thirty marathon bars, and the and the website uh, guy says you know this may be that we may be looking at more than currently exists. There may only be ten or twenty of these wrappers known to exist. That is collectors acknowledging they have them and trading them and so so and so forth. So it becomes an enticing collectible, and the collectible is also part of our cultural history. I think products are a big part of our cultural history. Um, you know, Coca-Cola. Uh, oh, we are off to an incredible start already, man. We're talking cereals just a few minutes in. I mean, if, if you want to talk about a product, let me t- Does anybody remember Quangaroos? Yeah, you had Quisp and Quake, and then they had the orange Quangaroo and his orange cereal. Of course, Quisp and Quake were the same exact thing, just two different shapes. Now there was a marketing gimmick, well beyond. Um, I mean, most other uh, gimmicks like that, I mean, it, it's two different things. You can have fruity, or you can have chocolate, or strawberry, or you whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, cereals. Oh man! Uh, and by the way, uh, you may be a little late for that because I think I was the last generation of great toys in cereals, and the really great stuff was in the fifties. Of course, you needed an engineering degree to assemble some of those things, but the toys that used to come in cereals were just. You want to talk about rare and collectible. I know. Keep it in the bag, son, and you will someday have a valuable collectible. There was none of that, boy. If, if, you wouldn't even eat the cereal, and you'd already be digging to the bottom of the box because you knew that's where they hid that package with the uh, enclosure, the toy, the little booklet. There used to be all sorts of cool things inside a cereal, but no more. No more. Uh, Now, I mean, you're lucky if the cereal is any good. I don't know. I I used to love cereals, and I still love sweet things, but uh, of late, for some reason... Uh, maybe it's my fear of GMO corn ingredients. I got no idea. Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, these things, there's huge collecting fields around them, and they really have formed a lot of the part of our national identity. Our na- our country is known for, like Coca-Cola, is one of the aspects of America when people outside America look at it, right? It's our products, our consumer products. Now, I would say that consumer products are... Um, when you really step back and look at it, a very wasteful way of getting the things people need to them, right? It's a way of doing it at a certain tech level, but I think at this point, um, getting people what they need, food, clothing, uh, toiletries, etc., could absolutely start to be done in reusable packages, reusable bottles, plastic bins, etc., and because of the internet, where in the past, um, you know, you needed to, s- supermarkets sprang up from the original markets. I guess originally the products were, you went to the butcher to get meat, and you went to the baker to get bread, and you went to the um, the fruit stand to get fruit, etc., right? Um, when the supermarkets came up, you know, it was, uh, I think, essentially, the the scale of it, especially, uh, was, it was, it would be harder to just source locally 
in reusable packages, right? Though thinking about it and the history of products, could that have been ha- could that have happened in terms of what people want and need? But then, in any given area, it's pretty clear that you would have a far less of a selection of products than the the consumer product system allowed for each area to have a far greater variety of products than would have been available locally, right? So I think that's a part of the uh, thing. By the way, this is a great product here. This cigar is like, (laughs) I bought some random cigars and this one is freaking amazing. It's creamy and luscious and wonderful in the morning here. And I took a picture of of the label because I forget even forget already what what it was. Um, yeah, cigars are obviously pa- cigarettes are another example of package. But I want to ex- keep exploring this this sense of this is this is La Palina Classic Rosato, Rosado. Anyway, <laughs> very good cigar. I like getting random cigars. You never know what you're going to get. I think I only ever want random cigars. I don't want to ever get, like, a specific cigar. (laughs) Are there any other products where you just want random? I I literally, I just, I love all different cigars. So, anyway, there are mystery boxes of certain things, but that's not really important. So, So I guess the idea is consumer products with a nationwide, generally nationwide distribution. Because if you think about the products, there are a lot of products that are made outside of the United States, for example, but then they're sort of packaged and imported via an American company to follow American packaging guidelines, et cetera. There are some products that you can buy that are just directly imported, too. Uh, sometimes they have to paste their own labels over, over it to conform to U.S. Uh, packaging laws. So, of course, it's not just supermarket stuff. There's other things. Clothing, of course, is huge, right? And... Um, Toiletries, housewares, furnishing your house with furniture and blankets and pillows and things like that. Construction uh, products that we, that now, of course, is just Home Depot and Lowe's kind of owns the market around here. It used to be like channel lumber and local hardware stores. Um, and other kinds of products, financial products, you know, investment products, uh, banking products, you know, bank accounts. I mean, um, I guess you could say that all of the ills that come from the type of economy that we have, which is this, whatever you want to call it, consumer, capitalist, whatever society, provides a level of homogeneity uh, and, and a, a, a far wider and richer um, selection of goods for everyone, right, that can pay for it. Um, so that is locally available, and we're talking more about the past, perhaps, than the present, right? Where you could mail order things, but it would you'd have to mail through your order through the mail, and then they'd have to process it, so it could take weeks before you got something, right? So most things you wanted to buy, like a banana, you're going to go to a store and buy it. You know, you're not going to or, you know, you're not going to mail order a banana in the past, though now you can mail order a banana. So it all has to do with infrastructure, Right? Until the advent of these this mass communication network of the internet, um, it really was you know mail order was more of you had to either order through the mail or over the phone, and there were a certain class of products that you would just prefer to buy in person because you wanted to see it, you wanted to kick the tires, etc. 
Um, now, of course, we have this system of mass reviews where you can look at a product and get a sense by skimming the reviews. Is it a good product? Is it a bad product? Is it going to work for you, right? Amazon, of course, has most every kind of product, and you can most get most of this stuff, or at least certain examples of a certain type of product, like the next day, sometimes even same-day delivery. And I've been sort of indulging in that a lot lately, too. You know. Was it like a, like a, like a week or two ago, I, I was going down to record that Anything But Monday show in South Jersey with Mad Mike, and I wanted to get some audio equipment, just some cables and stuff, and just ordered it for next-day delivery from Amazon, you know? Just other, like, that kind of stuff is hard to find. You used to be able to find it in Radio Shack, uh, but Radio Shack is not around anymore. So that's those sort of, you know, those headphone jacks, the, the cords that have a male headphone jack on both ends, very necessary for a lot of things. Maybe I could find it at Best Buy. I don't know, possibly at Target, but you know that Radio Shack would have had it when they existed. But So I think that um, this idea of individual companies producing, like Hostess making Twinkies and uh, Nabisco making doodads and you know, uh, Calgon making uh, bath beads. Calgon, take me away. And of course, the cultural aspect is also the commercials, right? The advertisements have become cultural touchstones and uh, so informative of a time of the past. I play a lot of old commercials on the other side, for example, of my show, The Overnightscape, because they sound really interesting uh, in the context of today's changed society, and where those are from the past. So something like Calgon. I never used Calgon. I, I, the what a bath bead. What is it? What do you take a bath and you put these beads in? But anyway, there's these. There were these commercials where this woman was being harassed by everyone around her, the boss, the traffic, the baby, <laughs> screaming baby, the screaming boss, endless traffic jams. Calgon, take me away! <laughs> and sort of the outrageous claims that these products made, and then of course lifestyle marketing, which is essentially trying to promote. Because every, everyone on this planet feels lost, right? Feels empty for some reason. And, and so marketers create products that will alleviate this ennui, uh, the boredom of life, the lack of identity, the despair of not knowing what's going on. The products will help you with that. And almost like a drug... Uh, products are like a drug in a way. Shopping, there's shopaholics that where it becomes a real drug, but I mean, like, I always remember, even more back in the day, because I think I get this same thing now from just getting stuff on the internet, but I would love, because my interest wasn't really with clothes, but I would love going to the mall or going to stores and buying magazines, books, uh, comic books, video games, for example. I remember that precious time period where I was, you know, I was an adult. I was like commuting to New York City, and to buy a video game in New York City, but my system was at home, and to bring it home on the train or the bus and look at the construction manual, then bring it home and start playing it, was just it was just a, a wonderful feeling. Now, whether or not this is a good thing, this sort of joy through uh, consumerism, pleasure through consumerism, you know. I think it was uh, part of the tapestry of ridiculousness and wonder that this particular place we live provides its, its denizens, you know? I do think that 
um, you know, we're we're entering something of a the potential for a post uh, mass consumer society. That is, a factory is making peanut butter and then putting it in a, a disposable jar and putting a certain brand's label on it. But now, most products are made in mass factories that make products like they'll make the peanut butter for all the different peanut butter companies or they'll for example with whiskeys a lot of the like the top whiskeys are all made in one factory in indiana or illinois or something and then they slap on a different label maybe there's a slightly different formula um then there's still the marketing of each individual brand and stuff but the idea is if they're just like making whiskey can't they put it in a reusable bottle and deliver it to you via mail order and soon to be, I imagine, involving automation, self-driving vehicles, and, and robots bring it to your door. Um, you know, you, you can skip the whole brand name, packaging label, advertisement, and just get, it, get this stuff directly, right? And I do think that that's far more efficient, right? That uh, factories and producers can just produce the raw thing and I know you can say, well, how are they going to know what to produce? You have to understand consumer demand, this and that. I understand that. I think the demand would be people using a system online to, that they want a particular thing, and whoever can make it can then make that particular thing. You see what I'm saying? And it would reduce waste incredibly using reusable packaging and um, not having to go through this. The middleman. So the brands and marketing groups become the middleman, right? Someone's producing a breakfast cereal, and as you see, all the supermarkets have their store brand with their own, like, really third-rate cartoon characters. Like, it's just a big factory making, like, knockoffs of Fruit Loops and, and, and Frosted Flakes and stuff. But um, why then do you need – there's a factory making what you want. Why then do you need, oh, we, we're going to put our name on it and put it on this shelf in our building? No, you can just get it directly from them, so – Listen, I'm not an expert on what the repercussions might be on such a... I'm just simply suggesting that um, they would still be products, but I think that they could be delivered in another way. But there is that certain... The fun and circus-like environment of product names and... Um, you know, like I, so I really obsess on old products, things that are gone, you know, um, drinks that used to be... You know, beverages that used to be available, different products that used to be available... But it's a collecting field, right? But when you're talking about society, it's a little bit different. But anyway, I'm going to talk about products I have here. It's been in my garage for a while. I think it already was a little bit moldy or whatever you call it. With These books have this uh, it's like mildew smell. But this is a uh, – I bought this at an antique store actually up in uh, – somewhere around the town of Catskill, New York on the Hudson. We were visiting our friends Dan and Liz. This would have been like – between 10 and 20 years ago. This is the J.C. Penney catalog, fall and winter, 1973. So it's this big phone book-sized catalog. And uh, it is just full of the products. So, so basically, J.C. Penney was one of these department stores that was a store that had many different departments. Uh, they generally wouldn't sell food, uh, but they would sell just about everything else. So we can look in the catalog here. This is index page 715. Let me see about the index here. Of all the different products they sell. And this is like sort of an example in that time period. And of course, 73 is sort of a year I have a prime interest in. But um, just, just to get an idea, right, 
the, here's the fast find index. This is all, this is their major categories of product you can buy uh, from a department store. It's auto supplies, right? Anything for your car, you know? Uh, replacement, I don't know if they sold windshield wipers. Because of course, auto parts stores are a big type of uh, store. It's another major product category, automobiles and all of the accessories for them and the liquids for them and things like that. I do think self-driving cars are going to make individual car ownership obsolete uh, soon. <laughs> soon. Well, we have to get through this, uh, this current uh, uh, hazardous situation with Russia. If you, don't, if you really are in the future, you don't really have any context. We're in the midst of the first few weeks of Russia invading Ukraine in this timeline. I know most people don't have to say in this timeline, but... I do theorize about multiple timelines with many different products in different timelines. See, once we crack open the portals to other timelines, we can start collecting products from other timelines. That would be cool. Um, then we have baby goods and furnishings. So all of the things for babies, ba baby carriages, cribs, etc. So many things. Uh, bathroom fixtures and accessories, right? From mirrors to little little trash cans to toilet seat covers and, of course, Back in the day, all of the colored toilet paper, you can get uh, toilet paper in yellows and pinks and blues to match the decor of your bathroom. No more. There's, there's no more colored toilet paper in the supermarket. It's all white. Bedding, of course. This is So when we look at products, right, products are all geared towards the needs of the human being, right? Um, transportation, reproduction, obviously, sleeping, eating, entertainment, right? All of these products serve the human being. Uh, bed spreads, right? More bedding stuff. Bicycles. That's that's an, another form of uh, transportation. The big men's shop. This is for men that are big and tall. Bras and girdles uh, for uh, the female. I know it's hard to say these days, but the female side of things. Bridal shop. Yes, marriage, which is Societal construct and reproduction oriented. Um, building supplies, yes, of course. Uh, construction, building, adding to your home. Essentially construction of, for people, individual consumers, it's usually like their house. They're adding stuff to their house. Um, cameras and equipment, of course. Uh, relatively recent in human history, starting in the late later 19th century. Actually, mid-19th century, because they're, yeah. Um, but became much more affordable for everyone to take images uh, and preserve them. Camping equipment, kind of an entertainment side of things, but uh, camping, of course. A closet shop, so all things for your closet, coat hangers and adding new racks and things. Craft kits, of course, crafts have always been very popular. Uh, producing your own products, basically. Crafting is producing your own products of various sorts. Curtains, of course, you have your windows so you can see outside, but then you want to have curtains, so. At times, you can cover them up. I personally use the great uh, um, cordless cellular blinds from, uh, was it Blinds to Go? This was a, a success of, of home planning. We previously had used them in our, in our last place and the Blinds to Go and the technology in general for cordless cellular shades. They are simply off-white um, Shades. There's no cords. There's none of these dangling little ropes or strings. You you push it up or down, and there's a mechanism on the top that balances it all out. And 
at first it broke a lot, but the newer ones, they seem to be much better designed. And so we just use them for all our windows. Affordable, beautiful, perfect. So no curtains per se, no, none of those shutters. Oh my God, all that stuff is so annoying for me personally. Then you have dinnerware, of course, all of your various forks and spoons, plates, bowls, pots and pans, etc. For eating, one of the human needs. Draperies. <laughs> so what are, what are draperies as opposed to curtains? Hmm. We'll have to, well, I don't know exactly the difference, but uh, I guess draperies are more ornamental, whereas curtains are more functional. Just a theory. Electrical goods. So I'm assuming that's like appliances and stuff. Um, electrical goods. Interesting. I, I, it's like, uh, would that be home appliances? I'm not sure. Engagement rings, again, talking about marriage, society, reproduction. You don't need to be married to reproduce, but that was sort of the societal plan. Get married and have kids. Exercise equipment, again, health-related. Health is, of course, health is another big side of things that I didn't mention. Human health. Um, fabrics. So I guess raw fabric so you can make your own clothes, and I know that was big, and it's still, people can still do it. Fencing, I'm assuming that refers to an actual fence, like a physical barrier you put on your land as opposed to the sword fighting example. Floor coverings, of course, anything from area rugs to mats to carpets. Uh, furniture, of course, massive topic. Why do we need furniture? Well, tables and chairs all serve the human being to sit and put things on tables and all sorts of fun stuff. Gourmet cookware, I guess sort of distinct from dinnerware. Health and beauty aids, as I mentioned, this is all those adjunct products, um, cotton balls and things. His and hers clothing. Um, is that stuff that's sort of universal? I'm not sure. Hunting equipment. Uh, of course, hunting produced the product of meat, which was very necessary back in the day. But it's more for entertainment these days. It's more an entertainment and social activity as opposed to being necessary. The inn shop. I'm not sure what that is. Kitchen appliances. So that's weird. It's different than electrical goods. Uh, lamps, of course, to light your home again. We have we have this thing called night, where it's very dark and you can't see. So you need you need lights or lamps. And originally they were candles or oil lamps, and now electrical lights. Lawn and garden equipment. Yes, another thing. You have a house, you have a property, and you have a lawn, and you have a, you have uh, you're growing other kinds of plants on your property. Lighting fixtures again, like lamps, but they're more on the wall or on the ceiling. Laundry supplies. Yes, well, it's the clothing, right? Uh, I don't see they have a lot of, I guess, I guess his and hers clothing is all the clothing. Yeah, it's like a, a massive, massive topic. Obviously, we need, we need clothes for many purposes. I mean, to protection from the elements and social aspects and all sorts of things. Uh, so you need to wash those clothes because as you're wearing them, they're getting dirty from your own sweat and from the environment, etc. Luggage. When you need to bring things from one place to another place, especially in travel, you need to bring all your stuff with you. Maternity clothing, again, more reproduction-based stuff. Musical instruments, yes. This is, uh, you know, it's both entertainment, it's art, it's, uh, you know, playing music is one of those optional things you can do in life. Office equipment, yeah, so, so uh, home offices, or I suppose even for an actual office, you could buy things. 
paneling to cover your walls. I'm assuming back then wood paneling was very popular. Pen pressed index. I don't know what that is. Pet supplies, of course. We have our animal companions. Uh, we, we, we keep many animals at home. Cats and dogs, goldfish, gerbils, etc. Hamsters. And they are our, our, our sort of animal companions. Plumbing supplies, yes. The uh, indoor water systems that are very essential to life in many different ways can always go wrong and you need your plumbing supplies. Uh, ready to finish furniture. I guess that's furniture that uh, you can do a little bit of work on to paint it or add varnish and stuff. Rugs, another thing you put on the floor, but I think rugs are more portable. They're not like nailed down like a carpet. Security devices. So this is where uh, you have to protect yourself from other human beings because they might want to steal your stuff. Sewing aids, you know, sewing, of course, to repair clothes or to actually make your own clothes. Sewing machines, uh, sheets and pillowcases, again, for the sleeping time. Children's shoes, uh, men's shoes and women's shoes, of course, shoes, very necessary so you can walk around and not be barefoot. Oh, man, Sh not uh, shoes, yeah, they're cool and all, but especially in my day, I don't know if as much anymore, shoe boxes were they were just the they had a top and i don't know what it was about them but shoe boxes were a covetable thing not to keep the shoes in anymore but to stow things in uh and cigar boxes oh the decorative cigar box i'm sure that there are still people who collect that kind of stuff and the beautiful labels that would be on the inside when you open it up in that top area. Because, of course, that's how the cigar shop, if you didn't buy the whole box, would display them. And, oh, man, some of those labels were just a wonderment. I mean, packaging, while now it is an art of attraction from a scientific viewpoint, the turn of the last century had some wonderful, they were just winging it as far as, I think this will be eye-catching. Uh, they used a lot of reds, you will notice, which, yeah, we're, we as human beings in general, there is something about a red package, a red shirt, the red toy car, uh, that just has that extra cherry flavor that we love so very much. Um, let's see, colored toilet paper is gone? Now, I mean, I didn't notice it vanishing, but I didn't notice it vanishing. Yeah, they, it used to like pink and blue, but now that I think about it aesthetically, aside from the fact that it might match your bathroom, if, I don't know, it's white. Yeah, I think white toilet paper will do us just fine without going into any detail. They still, well, girdles used to be like a real thing. I mean, men wore them. You will notice that there was an era from like somewhere in the 50s into the early 60s or so where a lot of aging male stars suddenly developed this very strange posture and way of standing and it was inexplicable to me until somebody explained that back in the day, men wore 
girdles as well. They would develop, you know, a little pot belly, a little beer belly, and uh, yeah, well, that'll fix that. Now I look all fine, and I don't know, it was like toupees. There was a certain illusion, and yeah, people, I guess some people didn't notice, but once you know to look for it, especially like toupees, I mean, there there was a time when I was innocent, but now from like three blocks away, I don't care how nice a job it is. It's like, and, and, and you start not looking at the person in the eye and watching that those little spots where the real remnants of what once hair is meeting this synthetic thing laying on top of their head. Oh boy. Although people like William Shatner, uh, he really... There was something about his. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's a toupee, but most people still don't know or care, whatever the case may be. And I'm not going to take anything away from William Shatner. He's he's basically untouchable. And and, and collecting packaging, I, I just want to note one thing. And, and this may be a whole new horizon for the collector. No one collects, say, cream corn cans. Yeah, think about it. Think office supply packaging, you know those uh, things that the Mongol pencils came in back in the seventies. I bet you there's very few specimens left. You better start searching around and uh, preserving right this very minute. And now PQ Rubber himself has gotten sucked into this whole like packaging and branding. Oh, it's bad. It's bad, folks. I mean, first it was just that I was watching these TV shows because this is something that really, there's a certain grain in me that it, it, it go. I, I'm enjoying it. I watched Mandalorian both seasons. I have now watched Boba Fett, uh, the first, what, three episodes or so. I'm going to watch episode four later, hopefully. And uh, I had, it started with, a, a Grogu stuffed animal and now there's action figures I'm wearing a Grogu t-shirt uh, I almost bought this it's like a backpack with Grogu in the back and when you squeeze his hand he makes little noises but uh, the price point was just a little off and I that's I, I want more of the action figure -y things than large getting close to life-size depictions uh, I don't know. That's kind of eerie. I do have the one holding his basket of eggs. And no, you're not eerie, Grogu. You, you, you're fine. Uh, yeah, I just had to reassure him. He was getting a little sulky over there. Anyhow, uh, what else do we have? We've got uh, more Frank Nora. Ski equipment, another uh, recreational activity. Slip covers. What are those for, for like... I guess that could be for pillows or decorative cushions and yeah decorative pillows or what i don't know snowmob snowmobile clothing so fun out in the winter time as you're as you're driving your snowmobile around you want to wear a uh, very uh, warm clothing sporting goods all of the various sports from uh, the the balls of all the various basketballs footballs baseballs baseball bats darts etc <laughs> Television, radios, and stereos, yes. Information technology for the home before the internet. 
tires. Again, that's for your car. Tools and accessories. We always need tools to do things. Uh, vacuum cleaners, of course, to suck up dirt and debris and dust that by gravity falls to the ground. I'm always I'm having to do a lot of vacuuming. I use the uh, the Dyson Animal rechargeable one. Love it. Love it. I love my Dyson Animal. It's a great product. I, I don't use any of those other crappy those 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 those, those vacuum cleaners with bags. Get out of here with that bag shit. I like I like the one where you just it puts it in a little chamber, you dump it into trash. Work clothes. Special clothes for working and wall decorations, uh, various things you can put on the wall to look at. So, I mean, look at the index here, and they have a. Uh, that was just a fa the find it fast index. So, um, let's see. They also have their penny pointers, uh, I guess, editorial content, a sheerness in p stockings and pantyhose, maternity underwear, flame retardant sleepwear. No, wait a second. What's up with that? Flame retardant sleepwear. I guess a lot of people used to, to smoke in bed, and in case the bed catches on fire, your your pajamas won't. I, I don't get that one. Shirt styles for men's men's and boys. Shoes, dinnerware, bath carpeting, sheets, muslin, and percale. I don't know that word. Polystyrene in furniture. <laughs> what? Solid state, stereo, and quadraphonic. Quadraphonic was quite an issue back then. Uh, now they call it surround sound. Yeah, vacuum cleaners and UL listings. That's Underwriters Laboratories, this mysterious organization that was behind the scenes. Um, so each letter has a little quote here in the index. A is for avocado and aqua, just two of the beautiful new JCPenney home colors. B is for buttercup, just one of the many brilliant new JCPenney home colors. Is it all? Is it all home colors? C is for cinnamon, coffee, and camel. Oh, they are, they're all these home colors. D is for draperies, a wide selection to choose from in the new JCPenney home colors. E is for electric blankets. F is for federal blue. Wow, that sounds like a good color for the 70s. G is for golden rod, grass, and gray. H is for home furnishings, which you can get in those great colors. N is for napkins. Color coordinate them with tablecloths. O is for ocean blue and orange. P is for pumpkin, poppy, plum, pewter, and pink. A lot of these colors. See, choosing the colors of your home is very big. Q is for quilts. R is for red. Just one of 29 coordinating families in the new JCPenney home colors. S is for sea green. One of the stunning cool greens. There's a lot of stunning cool green colors now. T is for true blue. U is for unique, the decorating effect you get with the new JCPenney home colors. V is for vinyl shower curtains, many smart styles. W is for wheat and willow, handsome new colors. X is for exciting new JCPenney home colors. They make decorating a sure thing. There's no products under X, but they figured they would throw it in there. Y is for yard goods. See decorator fabrics in the glamorous new JCPenney home colors. And Z is for zingy. That's what you'll call the vivid new JCPenney home colors. Wow. Shot, and look, shot by phone, yes. See? And they have local phone numbers. Let me see where they were in New Jersey. <laughs> and they show like a housewife shopping, saving time. She's looking at a clock, shopping in the catalog. Jersey at Autobahn. That, where the hell is that? Bridgeton, Dover, Edison? 
Menlo Park Shopping Center. See that that, that was that's my, the most important mall in my life for product for going to buy products. Paramus Parlin, Salem Vineland. Wow, Salem and Vineland are like South 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 Jersey. But anyway, hey, let's just go to some random. Let's go to page two hundred nine first. See what's on that page. That that always reveals something interesting. Page two hundred nine. Wow, this is how many pages does this thing have? By the way, this is uh, thirteen hundred page catalog. Yeah, this is really kind of a treasure. I know you can find scans of these online, but sometimes having the physical one is actually pretty pretty groovy. And this is like I know people like get the ones with toys and stuff, but this is just a totally general catalog. Do they even have toys in here? I don't know. I'm trying to find page two hundred nine. Ah, this is the women's underwear section. Okay. Page 209 is a uh, an underwear size chart, but of course I think that the uh, uh, these catalogs may have served a dual purpose for, 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 for the young wanting to see scantily clad people. They could use these catalogs for that purpose as well. Women in bras and stuff for the, uh, the more prurient interests. Um, Tiara light, synthetic stones with the beauty of natural gems. Look at that. Oh, look at this cr candle crafts, of course, where you were... The candle-making kits where you can make owls and mushrooms. And that's pretty much it. And they also this also has turtles and, and frogs, but owls and mushrooms were huge at this point in the 70s, and I've often talked about that. You can even get a a mushroom with little cute animals like a mouse and a duckling on it <laughs> all the different platform shoes so many products children's products Orlon the DuPont fiber and by the way this was a time where people were dressing like like literally like weird clowns and stuff if you watch those old like the Brady Bunch hour and all those mid 70s variety shows the way people were dressing that's how everyone dressed I dressed like that as a kid Here's the in shop, I-N-N, with some psychedelic lettering. Total fashion for him and her in ribless corduroy flared leg jeans, lively printed shirts, and great-looking sweaters for the excited layered look. <laughs> oh, my God. Flared pants and, and vests. Oh, my God. It's amazing. But, yeah, everyone used to dress this way. It was just – it was – the only reason it looks strange is because fashion has changed. Um Fashion, I think, is another product category. I work in a, in a fa for a fashion company. And um, the whole industry, and it really, that's a really big lifestyle brand where you can, uh, you, you need, your self-identity is very much based on clothes. They keep changing the style, so you keep having to buy new clothes. Instead of them making very durable clothes you can wear for decades, you have to keep buying new clothes because the styles keep changing. So that's another consumerist thing. That is, that can be fun and interesting, and part of our circus earth, but it's still, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, wasteful. Roller skates. This is before roller blades really were invented. I don't know why, though. Why was it so hard to invent a roller blade? Maybe just the, the nature of the wheels? I don't know. Uh, by carburetors and stuff. That's good. Lawnmowers, of course, all gasoline-powered. I hear now there are a lot of electrical lawnmowers, and I'm sure that's been like that for years, but I don't have a lawnmower personally. 
Weather vanes, of course, for the top of your house. Mailboxes, doors. I'm having a new door put in, maybe today. The back door. Fireplaces. Self-sticking wall coverings. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. Like something you would put on the kitchen, the walls of the kitchen, self-sticking coverings. It's like a, 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 a pork, ham, lobster, Mexican. It's like all these different foods. That you can, just like a, a pattern. That's, that's so cool. Oh, look at this. Wall coverings and murals for like a kid's room. Oh, that's so cool. Imaginative and colorful wall murals. Noah's Ark and Toy Soldiers. The Noah's Ark has all these like stylized animals and stuff. Disney characters, a world map. The world of old. Here are table, decorative table covers. Because, like, think about it. You, you, you were living in the 70s and you wanted to buy stuff for your house. You would go to a store and whatever they had, you would buy. That's why the styles were so... People didn't have... I guess if you were super rich, you could hire designers to create something more exactly what you wanted. But generally, most people live on the consumer level and you just sort of buy what you, what you can get at a store. Electric wall clocks that look like coffee grinders in wood tone green and harvest gold. So those that color, that pale green color and that sort of ochre yellow and the browns and oranges were the colors of the 70s. It's amazing. The cake decorating kits, perc coffee percolators, so many products. And here, oh, shag bath carpet, yes. Shag carpeting in your bathroom. No one does this anymore. And you got matching toilet seat and toilet covers, too. It's pretty amazing. I'm sure all this stuff will come back eventually. Shag carpeting for the bathroom. Oh, these, these, these uh, uh, ceiling lamps, uh, you know, hanging lamps, chandeliers. The iron wrought look. Here's a uh, an iron an iron wrought look anchor you can stick on the wall for a nautical look. Sofa sets. Oh my God! Here's a gaming table where the chairs are, look like barrels. Oh my God! That's so amazing. Five piece game group, three hundred and eighty five dollars. Which, as we know, I'm not even gonna look it up, but we know that's probably like over a thousand dollars in today's money. Barrels. I for some reason I really do love the look of barrels. So I would have I would have probably bought all this stuff. To buy these things now would be like. You'd have to search high and low for ex existing examples of these the J.C. Penney barrel furniture things. But yeah, this is a good a good sense of uh, all the products you can get. This is a cool kind. I really don't look at this anywhere near as much as I uh, could or should, perhaps. But anyway. Oh man, technical oddities abound in this new age. I hope that was intentional. Uh, I hope it wasn't my fault. Boy. Uh, yeah, I've been making some real oddball, uh, just these tiny mistakes and lapses. Uh, but it, 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 I don't know whether, uh, is this beginning of some sort of Alzheimer-ish, the Alzheimer's edition of the Overnightscape Central coming soon. Uh, well, we're making it so far through this one and, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff in the Frank world. Uh, the, the word zingy. Oh, J.C. Penny, thank you. Yeah, we never, I don't think, J.C. Penny was not a real part 
uh, of uh, my shopping life. I mean, it was there in the mall there, the big Orange Plaza Mall that was the main mall of my youth in Middletown, New York. But uh, I got more mileage out of Sears than J.C. Penney. And uh, I just never got connected or associated with it for whatever reason. I don't think they were any better or worse than anything else. Uh, but that Sears catalog, oh, man, if you want to a, a, talk about your product list, almost any year from, what, the 1890s, almost anything you could find in a store, those Sears people had it stocked in a warehouse somewhere and would deliver it to you, at least your hometown possibly even your door, mail you a whole house, if I'm not mistaken, at a certain point in their development. And, and wallpaper, now there, is a lost product. It was replaced by what they're talking about, the adhesive back, what they call it, contact paper, uh, which had its own uh, pros and cons. But does anybody, except in maybe some sort of special application, even consider wallpaper anymore and that was just one of your many options as a home owner uh, even into my youth I, there were people putting up wallpaper it's somewhere in the back of my mind I have memories of that uh, although maybe it's like old comedies from the 30s with the three stooges that I'm remembering it all blurs together when you reach a certain point. Anyhow, we're rolling right along. And I'm, that, that was a little disorder. Frank, coming out first. I mean, I'm almost ready to pal. It's time to go home. But no, we've got so much more great stuff to get to. Uh, and next, we're going to hear from Eddie from the wool gathering one of my favorite podcasters of all time um let's hear what he's got to say about products 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 i'm going to talk about products products i think it lends itself to um what's his name the guy that Always oh, just kept running. Tom Hanks played him. Yeah, him. Uh, it just that that word lends itself to that sort of. But I can't seem to say it right. Products. I'm going. To, I'm going to talk about. <laughs> I can't do his voice. I'm going to talk about products. I've already recorded one on products. I listened back to it. I did the ad lib as I'm doing this one, you know, improvising, not thinking about anything really, and and just going for it. And it was terrible. And uh, I just won't, I won't bother uploading it. So this, the same might happen this one as well. But one thing I was saying was produce and product products seem to be a little different, right? So produce is like foods that you sell or whatever you know organic produce eggs maybe things like that but if it's something that's made on a large scale apparently this is the definition then it's a product now there's there's a gku thing or a kgu or whatever it's called code 
There's like product codes all around the world. So they would, that essentially means then that it is a product. And uh, so anything that is packaged then I assume would be a product. So even if it is produce, like apples, eggs or whatever, once it's put in uh, a box with a SKU product code, then it is then a product, right? I'm doing a lot, of, uh, I'm giving a lot of assumptions here, but let's, let's just go from there. So that's products. And I, so therefore, nearly everything, I think, that we now purchase is a product, even if it is produce. Um, and I don't know if we could ever go back to the way it used to be without products and just more or less straight from the farm. And I suppose that's where when things start getting packaged as when they started becoming more like products. Uh, so we still would have, we would have had bread a long time ago, milk, egg, cheese, all that stuff. Uh, wheat, so raw materials, once raw materials are, are processed and broken down into something and packaged into something or made, put together like this car, I guess, I guess cars are products. Uh, I don't know, I won't fight you on that one, but there you go, it could be. Um, houses and things that make up houses, furniture, everything, basically everything. Um, if we were to go back to times where things weren't processed by machines, and machines use a lot of oil, and then and then the oil is used to actually make a lot of the packaging as well. A lot of the plastic is made from the oil. Different types uh, pressed together, heated, made sticky, all sort of synthetic materials put together for even this car here I'm sitting in, the bottles, plastic bottle, bottles, bottle, bottles. And so there's, there's not a week that goes by that we're not purchasing products, most people in this day and age, really. Um, sure, there is some people who maybe live off grid or, you know, have more of a nomadic lifestyle, maybe not nomadic, but, you know, more of a simple lifestyle. They try to live off the land or swap with their neighbors and things like that. Um, I'm sure there is people who try to live that way. And that's nice. Um, I think it can be a lot of work as well, especially looking after livestock, a lot of animals and stuff. But it's not like a huge farm. You can do it on a more small level, like a home, homestead, home small small home making or whatever it's called um small stead is that what they say and because uh, i was looking at some youtube uh, i think this this guy he has a youtube called mossy bottom and he lives in the west of ireland he's from england but he's homesteading or whatever he's doing all that kind of stuff showing you how he feeds his animals and uh grows things to eat and stores things, how to store things for a longer time, all that kind of stuff. Some people are doing that now in uh, 
France and Spain and stuff, they're moving away and trying to get back to their farms. That's like the song, isn't it? When you return to your valleys and your farms. Um, brothers in arms. Anyway, so, yeah, products, I, I, I don't really know, we don't really have that, what do you call that, extra expenditure thing where, you, where you're getting novelty items and stuff, where we, although I'd like to do that, I'd like to have like, I really like the idea of having like favorite novelty products and items and things, um, premium ones and stuff. And the odd time when I'm in Tesco doing my shopping, which is the highlight of my day sometimes these days, I I will um, pay four euro for a can of kombucha, and that is me splashing out. Or I'll pay seven euro for four. I think it's four bottles of the the uh, not Corona. Where was it? Zero alcohol stuff because I'm not drinking alcohol anymore either. Um. So yeah, I'm going rather teetotal with the alcoholic products and the caffeine. Uh, the caffeine one has been harder, I think, than the alcohol one. But yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I was rather out of it. And um, I really felt like hitting the drink, like going somewhere and, I don't know, having a couple of double shots or a, a pint or two, something... Uh, get me over the hump but I didn't and I, I didn't I didn't take any caffeine again this morning it must be it must be two or three weeks now without it and uh, yes yeah, so that's another product another process product chocolate again another one I saw someone I think it was on YouTube the other day making her own chocolate like she got the big cocoa nut thing and then took the the cocoa out and let the, the things ferment, the beans, and then it was a little nub inside it that they had to, she had to take out all the little nubs inside and then blend them with like sugar and milk and then poured it into this bar shaped thing and then she had her own made, literally made her own chocolate. That was, that was amazing. I don't know where the hell you get the chocolate pod things, the cacao, the cocoa, whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, but raw materials into into products and the processing and then just imagine the amount of bureaucracy behind all of that that you have to register this thing make sure that thing is in safety require all these i'm sure there's a lot of that kind of stuff as well um how often it's enforced or checked that's that's a whole other thing then who knows um but then getting placement in in the main supermarkets that would be another thing if you're talking about those kind of products. But that would, they would be the main products. Uh, so you'd have, I don't know, house cleaning products, food, obviously, uh, drinks, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, basically everything, I guess, is, is a product. In We're living in a very product world. Also, we are a product of our own generation in a way as well. You know, whatever sort of zeitgeist culture we grow up in, our personality is somehow molded around that. And then the, the pop culture and the, the, the mediums or whatever that we listen to, watch, or that we grow up on influences um, and impact on our personality in a way. 
so we are almost products ourselves. And I think we are literally products as well. I think in America anyway, I think I don't know whether it's the social security number that's tied to or your birth certificate that's tied to something on the stock market where you literally are kind of traded as a product, more or less, like you're some sort of stock that's traded, like it's value for the, I don't know if you call it the GPU or whatever, <laughs> no, the GPU, the, the, D, the DUP, no, the DD, the DUG, the DUG, the DGs, um, you know what I mean, it's like, it has an influence, it's, it's on the market, you're on the market somehow, I don't know where to find that information, I've heard that before, um, I don't know if that applies to the rest of the world or just how um, the United States operates, but I've heard that is true, um, that you can trace it somewhere on the stock exchange that you're actually a number on there as well. Because, you know, there's all these bonds and things that a country is worth, the country, the bonds, and then they sell them, and other people buy them, and they're worth it because of the people that are in the country, and then so many of them will be paying taxes and all. It's whatever way it's worked out mathematically, then therefore you have an average value. I don't know, so how much we're worked worth as a product. I, I'm not sure. I did, I remember hearing a couple of prices before. I'm not sure if it's, a hundred thousand dollars or half a million dollars something like that maybe that like a human being is worth uh i know it's crazy so um i think that will do there's 11 minutes and 30 seconds and um it's not as bad as the other one and i think i filled in uh, again i've no actual um favorite products i don't think you know i enjoy a bit of chocolate um I, we get the usual staples you know cans of beans beans would have been the first manufactured one i would say um you know beans and coffee and stuff like that i remember playing one of the latest red dead redemption things and uh, you know as your sit when civilization was being born kind of thing uh, canning canning was a big big thing to make things last longer and bring them out with your horses and, and cook them on the campfire with your coffee. So beans and coffee, and then maybe put some pork or pork fat in them or something like that, didn't they? Um, there was all that kind of stuff. So canning, canning was one of the first products and manufacturing. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, what what can I do? Without further ado, back to you, PQ. Well. They don't make it the same as they used to. A can of Campbell's pork and beans, indeed. Oh, yum, yum, yum. There's just something. I, 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 there has to have been more, quote, unquote, pork in there at some point in the past. Now it's just this little tiny square of fat back on the top when you open the can, which is nice because the other pork and beans, the Van Camps, don't even go through that pretense anymore of the little stuff. It's in there somewhere, kid. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I guess, and now, who knows what's going to be a shortage if the wheat stuff keeps going up. Bread, which is like the staple of many people's diets and the staff of life, may become a rather price. And cereal, all these uh, things that are generally associated with budget uh, 
devourings. Oh boy, that artisan bread's going right through the ceiling. We are living in some strange times, but luckily we can uh, just bask in the past and alternate reality tunnels and our imaginations right here on the overnightscape because with more than ever this is what i am prescribing to all of my um clients uh, it's very important to have the entertainium first and foremost anymore it used to be something you know that needed to and it's an extra after now i mean you got to wake up in the morning and indulge a, a a nice dose of entertainium before you dare face what's going on out there and uh yeah that's my proscription from the nicio legatura institute as a uh one of the members of the board uh that's what I say. Supermarket shopping. Now, now that really is, in a certain way, my, uh, that's my consumer experience for most of uh, the last 15 years. And indulgences involve uh, better foods. Uh, if this, these Grogu things were a real weird limited treat. Uh, I, 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 one of, I made a good sale uh, for one of my clients, so there was actually uh, some extra that I felt I needed to indulge myself, and I, I think it was beneficial. I mean, I used to just forever reward myself every 15 seconds, and uh, that became a numbing thing, but uh, now it's like I, I went, I had this uh, momentary spasm of uh, ridiculous product purchase and uh, now we're just I'm, I'm have no urge to continue the uh plus i don't have that much space i actually had to make space when you have to make space for things that are as small as like action figures you know uh, you have filled wherever you are inhabiting and yes the nicho legatura institute uh, basically, if we take something in, something has to be uh, released to uh, the world uh, forever and ever. Um, I've, had, I've always had this idea for the band or for Ansug. Uh, branded items. I think we ought to have our own branded coffees. Uh, and I, I mean, yeah, they do the coffee mugs and all that kind of stuff. But uh, find some sort of product that somebody makes that's already packaged that we can just stick our label on it. I mean, just people do that all the time. And, uh, I mean, we do have a very valuable uh, trademark with the uh, the Onsug brand. Uh, we, we, I, I hold the Onsug brand in high esteem anyways, and so should you. Where else? Where else do you find this wonderment and joy? And and we've got Chad Bowers moved to the cleanup position this week on the Overnight Scape Central. Uh, anything can happen now. So uh, let's sit back and listen together. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, I consider myself uh, a steward for things that are submitted 
to the Overnight Scape Central, my friends. And uh, I don't know. I, I, the, <laughs> if I don't drop the ball one way, I drop the ball another lately. But uh, wherever I hope Chad has a reference copy of this somewhere, I am. I just looked to see if I might catch him online, but uh, he is uh, blissfully offline, which is the safest place for anyone as far as I'm concerned in the modern age, unless you're listening to the Overnightscape Underground, or perhaps even checking out some of the wonderful entertainium that uh, Frank Edward Nora recommends, or I might recommend on the Quakeversal satellite, but uh, just wandering around out there and uh, engaging in uh, social media uh, debates might prove uh, discomforting over a long haul. But uh, I, he sent me the link, and I did not act on it within 24 hours, apparently, and the, um, it's, it's no longer there for me to... Oh, boy, I... And I should have grabbed it. I should grab these things when I get the initial email, but I do it as I'm assembling the show. It just, I don't know if that's how I've been doing it, but perhaps I'd better not be doing that because now, now we've, now the show's over. This is it. We're just finished, uh, kaput. We can just launch into the shtick and uh, urge you to send files that I will lose for next week's show. No, really, I, I, I am hoping uh, that I can catch uh, Chad and that uh, somewhere he has saved this file for uh, you know, he, often. He will uh, also post his segments on BitChute or YouTube as uh, incredible true facts of space uh, videos, and like I say, I, this this could who, Chad Bowers talking about products. I hope that isn't lost to the ether gods somewhere. That would just be something I would carry great guilt over for many years to come. Uh, the, the, the Chad, I I owe you a penance, maybe two penances. Uh, just yeah, the, the, I'll be a penitente. Oh, the hair shirt. The hair shirt of the podcast error. Uh, anyways, next week here on the Overnightscape Central, we are going to uh, do another one of our uh, time travel bits, and we're going to talk about 1989. Yeah, 1989. What a year. And uh, it, it's, this is going to be great. It will be, because uh, th this is a year, you know, when I start talking about years, this old man starts talking about the past. Sometimes it's before uh, many uh, of you are even, like, alive. But 1989, many of us were around in some point or have some reference point to it. It isn't like some sort of archaic date that you have to kind of like whip up some enthusiasm for so uh, that's what we're going for the dawn of the 1990s that 1989 year and uh, how this works as always is uh, the deadline for your contribution 
for next week's show will be uh, Tuesday, the 15th of March, 2022. Uh, get it to me by the early evening. I'm in the mountain time zone in the United States, if that's a factor. And uh, if time is really a factor, I mean, knock the uh, submission off right now and mail it. And the email address for to do that is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Yeah, that's kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And, and it would be nice to hear from you. I mean, if you haven't in a long time, if you haven't ever, this, I mean, 1989, riff on it for a couple of minutes say hello uh and we will uh include you and i will uh, not lose your uh, submission guaranteed oh chad i feel so bad uh thanks so much eddie and frank and um I thank you for listening and uh, i hope everybody can forgive me for the great lost file uh well but in the meanwhile let's set the controls for the heart of the fun and thankfully as i was saving the file i caught chad and the file has been saved and uh it's forthcoming let's listen to this and uh, i i i'm leaving the other stuff in there i was tempted to just pretend it never happened but uh that i'm sure there's some good material in there and i told you about next week's show and got that out of the way so now i mean this is just pure uh past the heart of the fun type stuff product 19 was a cereal that had a special feature and that feature was not enough sugar but if your parents bought you product 19 then uh, you were doing a little better than those folks that got product 18 through 1 because this one at least had wheat in it and the wheat held sugar very well sugar and honey if you do that to it, it wasn't quite as bad of a cereal. The next product is Williams Electric Shave. Now, I came to the Electric Shave family uh, pretty quickly after shaving. It was one of my, uh, my first purchases as a, uh, a shaver. I went in and I bought a handle and the handle accepted uh, blades for the Gillette it was just a plain uh, some kind of Gillette XLT macho but it wasn't that late it was um, past the age of those uh, injector cartridges that were popular for a while I did enjoy finding those um, injectors, sometimes empty, sometimes with a few used razor blades in them. Just the idea of uh, being able to inject razor blades into something from a device, it was fascinating.
Another product I remember is the red electronic toy called the Merlin. And it looked like a uh, cordless telephone that you might hold up to your head. In the center where the buttons on a phone would be, this just had uh, little circle buttons. They looked similar to the whole reinforcers. If you uh, had loose leaf paper in a three ring binder, sometimes uh, it would tear. And to prevent this, you could buy packets of these little adhesive, round, white stickers. Uh, the hole was missing, so they looked like uh, donut stickers, plain vanilla donuts. And if you put them over the holes of your loose leaf paper, then when you opened your three ring binder and uh, put the paper in it, it was less likely to tear out. And that is exactly what the, uh, the buttons on a Merlin looked like. I remember it making beeping noises and uh, encouraging the player to press the buttons in certain orders. I, I did not have the device, so it was a uh, unique item of fascination when I would go to a neighbor's house but not knowing how to play it and them not particularly wanting to show how to play it because I think people that had the Merlin ended up not playing it. It was more an item you would have laying around your room and a friend that came over would pick it up. And you would just look at them as though you were sorry because you probably knew there's really no fun to be had there. But I would peck around on it like a chicken at a fair doing the tic-tac-toe games with the electrified gate below me. If I, uh, if I peck at the number, you turn the electricity off. So, uh, so you know, you turn that number on and the guests are entertained. I don't remember the batteries it used. I would assume that it would use a 9-volt battery, what we used to call a transistor battery, a transistor radio battery. You know, so common, the first transistor radios. Little pocket-sized, if your pocket were an inch thick, you might be able to get it in your pocket. It's a pocket-sized AM radio. These uh, pocket-sized radios, radio stations would purchase them in the hundreds with their logos on them and then hand them out special prizes if you had a, a remote event at a parking lot the DJ in the booth you know back at the station he would say something like now let's go live to Joe Cook he's down there on the Eastern Bypass at Bailey's Chevrolet Joe and then Joe would be that's right everybody we're down here having a great time it's Saturday the Sun is out there are people everywhere you've got to come down we've got pizza We've got chicken nuggets, and they've got some fabulous deals on automobiles in there. Nothing less, folks. Come by, see the cool 104 van, stop by, and we're going to load you up with some goodies. It, uh, these little radios, these little AM radios, just a part of my youth. You know, a fleeting memory of, uh, of the age of AM radios. An aerosol spray. 
that can remove uh, urine smell from dolphin statues. If your business had uh, large brass dolphin statues out front and they smelled of urine, this, uh, this spray would alleviate that. It was probably just Right Guard rebranded. You remember the Right Guard spray? Any guys out there old enough to remember aerosol deodorants? I, it seemed like a no-brainer at the time, you know. That was the future. A little can of uh, of aerosol deodorant. Just kind of uh, lift your arm up and sh sh give it a little spray. And it came out cold. You know, not only did the, uh, the alcohol that worked as a uh, carrier for the aluminum sulfates and other materials that uh, kill your brain cells. But it would, uh, because of the gas expanding as it comes out of the can, you know, you get that cool reaction. So it's like shooting a, a fresh breeze of, uh, of ice cube dreams into the underarm area with your, with your hair down there hair protecting the, uh, the bare skin from the uh, right guard. If you or someone you know has dolphin statues that smell of urine, there's an 800 number that we've set up and one of our volunteers will show up in a go-kart. They'll have some bread with them. They'll help you make some sandwiches and then they'll go right over to the dolphin and start spraying it with right guard. These are real untouched, new old stock, 1979 right guard aerosol cans. So you wanted the best, you're getting the best. A product I've been looking at lately is a, uh, is a Sony television. I need a, a new TV for upstairs. This house, um, I put my big TV I had in the uh, the movie room, which is something I didn't have before. But, uh, you know, I'm married, and we're usually upstairs watching TV. So most of the time I've been watching, like, a, since we moved in, like a 40-inch TV. And, and it's a little small from across the room. The TV's a little small from across the room. I see characters and people stories playing out but they're tiny they're tiny stories and they exist within a tiny world where as i'm watching it i sometimes become conscious of the fact that i'm also watching a wall and some lamps and a tv cabinet and ideally i would just be lost in the picture so going to get a big TV up there. This is a whole thing, you know. Marriage is about compromise. And I think that if I get a larger TV now, it's going to have to be a replacement for the large TV in the uh, movie room. Because the large TV I want to get upstairs, the size that I thought that I was going to put up there, um, was based on the width of the furniture that's beneath the TV. You know, I put the TV on top of the furniture. 
and it's about uh, it's about 36, 37 inches high. So it's it's a really good height. You want by THX standards anyway. You want to be dead center of the screen, and you don't want to be any more left than about 15 degrees. You don't want to be above 15 degrees or below 20, 15 degrees. So you go over to someone's house and and they've got a television and they've placed it above the fireplace that's um, that's what you call a compromise it's not an ideal solution because watching you'll notice that you do that you, you are looking up your eyes are, are looking up and now that's taking some muscle and then your neck is tilting up and you'll end up hurting your neck and watch Willy Wonka on that thing and uh, You'll end up hurting your neck. But a TV, more or less, uh, you know, straight ahead of you, middle view is just perfect. And I thought that uh, I was going to be able to get a really big TV. I was thinking, all right, when we bought the house, I was imagining 86 inch for the TV. Uh, Laura shot that down. Entirely inappropriate for a. Um, you know, it's a living room, so people come over. It's a uh, what do you call it? It's a it's a room that someone would come in and sit down. You know, I, I watch these English house shows. Is it Escape to the Country? Welcome to the Country. I think it's Escape to the Country. Uh, Jules is my favorite host on there. But Escape to the Country, they they help people leave the city. And find a home in the small towns of, uh, you know, at England of England that still look like England. I, I guess it doesn't really disturb me when I think about it because London isn't really losing much. You know, London's a big city, but for Pete's sake, a hundred years ago they called it the Big Smoke. I mean, it's it's always been a nasty city. So find me a place in the country. I want a. Uh, a quiet village, I want a local pub, and I want to be able to walk down the street and occasionally see a neighbor I know. So the thing that happened with this uh, TV stand upstairs is Laura found the perfect lamps. And there's a lamp on the left and a lamp on the right. And with the shades for the lamps, the, uh, the compromise is... As is required, the compromise was that uh, no, can't do uh, you know an 86, so maybe something like a 75. But then, it too was too close to the lamps in measurements. This is just mocking it up with a uh, with a measuring tape. And the measuring tape that I've been using, I got this one for Christmas. It's a Stanley Tools Fat Max. And it'll measure, oh, 20, 30 feet, hundreds of inches. It doesn't care. It'll measure anything. And you just pull it out and it retracts. But it's a metal tape so that it'll hold itself up. And one of its party tricks, because of the curvature of the metal and the thickness of the metal blade, one of its uh, big features is that you can pull that sucker out about 12 feet before it'll uh, snap and and break its uh, 
erection. It'll fold flat, you know, but it'll stay up there, which is handy if you if you ever tried to measure something high above you. It can feel like you're in a, a Laurel and Hardy movie, and and I'm Laurel over there doing something stupid. I'm standing at the side of my house and I'm trying to measure how high the lights are on the side of the house. They're mounted right under the eaves, and it's a two-story, so the the side there, and also because of the way the hill is, it's around 24 feet to where the, uh, you know, the lights are mounted under the eaves. I didn't know that, but I needed to know how tall of a ladder I need to buy to uh, be able to service the house and take care of things. So the idea is, is that the highest spot you would ever want to uh, get onto the roof, you need to be able to uh, to have at least four feet higher than uh, the thing you're you're leaning against because the measurement you take when you're measuring how high it is is going to be north to south up to down you know perpendicular uh, that perpendicularosity you know it's going to be straight up and down and and when you take that ladder base and move it back and then angle the top down you're going to lose some of that height and then you never want to be just at the edge of the roof you know, ideally, you need to be able to, when you take a step on the roof, you still need to be able to put a hand on the top of that ladder and facilitate your uh, your exit of the ladder onto the roof surface. I've since realized that climbing on this roof at my age would be uh, a ridiculous thing to do, so I'm not even going to bother with a ladder that tall. I'm I do need a taller ladder. I can't get high enough right now. Perhaps if I took a tolerance break. Just a couple days. You know. But this ladder, um, it's going to be fantastic. It's made by a company called Winder. And it's a fiberglass ladder. It's sort of a pinkish purple color got uh, yellow treads on it it's made in usa it's a fantastic it's a fantastic thing but i was standing there on the side trying to get that measurement and i'm pulling my uh, tape measure out and i keep pulling it out and it keeps folding down and, and falling you know i can't get it more than a few feet in the air before it topples down on me and uh oliver hardy's over there looking at me just shaking his head that stupid moron poor sod and, that, you know, I'm adding in my head to my Christmas list right then. I need the Fat Max. I need the Stanley Fat Max um, ruler that can go real far, real high without falling down, trinkling. There's another uh, product I wanted to tell you guys about as on Suggians. There's a company out there called Factory Cat. They're based in Racine, Wisconsin. Factory Cat makes, in my humble opinion, the finest scrubbers and sweepers available. Now, this is not like a push broom. This is not a. Uh, this is not something that you rent at the grocery store. I'm talking about industrial scrubbers, industrial sweepers. You may not think about it, but when you have a factory doing things, making things, things get dirty. So you got to keep the floors clean for 
safety of the workers, for one thing. If you got guests coming over, you got to keep the floor polished and beautiful. For all manner of reasons. Weddings sometimes. Picky brides. Picky blinders. The uh, scrubbers and sweepers I'm talking about, you usually sit on them in a seat and there's a steering wheel and then there's a gas pedal and there's there's different switches that control the pressure of the scrubbing and how much solution you're putting down the uh, the pressure of the vacuuming so anyway the deal is, is you can get some of these devices from factory cat where we're talking all metal construction if you want the environmental action package from factory cat it's all stainless steel the entire frame is stainless steel the uh the buckets that hold the uh, you know the suck-up tank and the solution tank and all that stuff those are indestructible ABS plastic but the uh, the beauty about factory cat is that all of the different products they make they try to use the same parts on all of them you know they're different sizes but but the hoses it uses are all the same the uh, you know the type of uh, uh, switches are all the same. So if you got a service call, the the person that shows up, you know, he goes out to his truck and he's got the part right there, and you're fixed and back and running. So I've been learning a lot about sweepers and scrubbers this week. I uh, started a, a new job where I'm the marketing director for uh, a sweeper and scrubber company, and we sell them, we service them, uh, we sell the. Uh, the chemicals, detergents, and the parts for old ones, and we rent them, all kind of stuff. Um, but it's a really interesting business. It's not something I'd ever thought of before. It's a whole world of, uh, of products. And I, I think the best thing about this product is that um, you can't really just order it off the Internet. Oh, you could, but it would be a really dumb thing to do because... These devices are dealing with dirt and water, and there's moving parts absolutely everywhere, and they get out of alignment, and there's squeegee blades, and uh, there's just all sort of stuff that constantly needs attention. So what happens is, is uh, someone at an industrial location, they'll, they'll order one maybe from the internet. China. Imported product. So we're... You know, talking maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars for a scrubber that would have been sixty thousand dollars for a new factory cat. But the difference is that machine is not made to stand up to the wear and tear you're going to put onto it. And not only that, it's the unintentional wear and tear. It's the fact that the person driving it is almost certainly going to run it into the Ballisters that kind of block the aisles to keep you from knocking the uh, four-level high shelves over, you know. Um, they're going to run into those. They're going to run into other things. So they're going to bang it up. And if it's not made really strong, it's just going to bend out of shape and you're going to really just have garbage, something not even worth fixing. But the uh, the motors go out. It's, it's a whole thing. And, and so anyway, you get this deal where you're able to rent this equipment to people for good money, it comes with a service package. Uh, you can sell it to them, and you can sell them the chemicals they need. And those are your brand of chemicals. 
So you're making a tremendous margin selling soap. And in the soap business, that's a damn good business. I'm I'm fascinated this week. We had a, a guy from the chemical plant in Chicago come down, and, he, and they make all of our chemicals. Well, they t I learned so much about surfactants. I had no idea. I understand the rule of butyl uh, now in a cleaner. Uh, I learned that that popular cleaner called Simply Green, nothing green about it except for the color. It's actually um, not even safe to eat, as their sales reps claim, because it has butyl in it. Butyl strong stuff. If you want something that's going to get through the gunk and really eat it up, you need yourself some butyl. Well, then, of course, you got parts. People that have other machines, they need to buy parts. Well, then you got service. Well, they call your service guy out. Oh, it's 200 an hour for service. And the people will love it because they don't care. You know, the, it, these industrial customers, it's not like... Uh, it's, it's not like you got to be the best price. You just have to ha be the best. And I really like this guy uh, that I'm working for because he grew up in this industry, and his lifelong goal was to start the perfect company, as he calls it. And it, he, uh, he, he really does good stuff. You know, he, he started, I guess, by paying his drivers and service people more than anyone else. And he saw the returns from it. And so it's it's a very unique place, and uh, I'm really enjoying the culture of it so far. So I hope I can do things there, and I can uh, help move product. Sounds great. That, that, that sounds like some sort of awesome ideal you have going there uh, with the new thing. Um, let's see. I got notes here. Uh, yeah, I remember we used to spray aluminum under our arms in the morning. Uh, it, terrifying. And it was just an everyday experience. Uh, I can't even imagine the uh, untold. And yeah, the tolerance. I got the tolerance thing. That was lovely. Um, now, electric shave. Am I confused or was electric shave for people electric for when you used an electric shaver which would like burn your skin a little oh i don't know i was always awful at shaving and thankfully until i was much older i didn't really need to shave i just grew schmutz and now after all these years i am the father of a giant beard and go figure that one out uh colognes god remember colognes the high karate be careful how you use it oh boy yeah men and stinkum really i guess there are still some but yeah men's scents were not i don't know i think women kind of use that as some sort of alarm if they could recognize you were wearing some sort of cologne uh you were out of contention after a certain point in the 70s, perhaps. Um, yeah, and remember the insides of transistor radios, that imagery, that there's like little miniature cities, like that episode of The Lost in Space where the giants suddenly grew to giant proportions and Will Robinson had to save them by going inside of the giant robot. Oh, man, that was just so cool. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's keep going here. 
uh, I, I'm still just amazed and happy that it was rescued. Did you ever notice that Eskimos used to eat ice cream sandwiches from the freezer aisle of the local grocery store? And you could purchase them and bring them home. And there's cheaper ice cream sandwiches. There's store brands. Sometimes when you eat an ice cream sandwich, the ice cream does not taste like ice cream. Sometimes when you're eating an ice cream sandwich, there's something about the ice cream that does not taste like ice cream. Sometimes, when you're eating an ice cream sandwich, the ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream. The ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream. Now, sometimes when you're eating an ice cream sandwich, the ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream. Sometimes when you're eating an ice cream sandwich, the ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream. Sometimes when you are eating an ice cream sandwich, sometimes the ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream. Sometimes, when I'm eating an ice cream sandwich, the ice cream doesn't, it doesn't taste like ice cream. Sometimes when you're eating an ice cream sandwich, the ice cream doesn't taste like ice cream. Sometimes, testers model kits, if you were at the Kmart, there would be an entire aisle of model kits, airplanes, everything from balsa wood models that you would painstakingly cut out each piece of the balsa wood from a large piece that had been stamped to separate it just enough that it would only require a few seconds with a hobby knife at a few different points to release it and then using wood glue your hands and steadiness and planning the ability to read and follow instructions. You would construct an airplane from the frame up. Once the frame was complete, you would apply the crepe paper or other material around the fuselage and the wings. 
the plane would literally fly. The rest of the aisle, the majority of it, were the plastic model kits, 70s, early 80s. I don't think kids have the intelligence to do them anymore. They're probably uh, in a fentanyl mind warp staring at TikTok feeding the Chinese Communist Party with information about their preferences and motions and movement during the day just hoping to be a debt slave worship at the altar of meaningless celebrities like football players and basketball players and people who wear fashion people that influence others to buy things they don't need it's an emptiness it's a product of its times now all these models cars hot rodders airplanes tanks all manner of thing and then paints for them it was not a rare hobby it was a very uh, a very common pursuit I remember the uh, other aisle that I considered one of my favorites at Kmart there was an aisle that had about 10 feet of various plastic guns m16s m1 carbines m50s guns with scopes guns with stands side pistols chrome cowboy pistols secret agent 45 wolfer ppk Guns that shot flying disc, guns that shot pellets, guns that shot caps. It was fun being a boy in 1978. It was perhaps the highlight of the creatures on Earth. It was the pinnacle of a certain era. And we were right there, enjoying the fruits of it, even though we had no idea. And we didn't feel special. We didn't feel like we had anything out of the ordinary. We were just kids with no money in our pocket, a hope that mom or dad might buy something when it's not a birthday and it's not Christmas and it's not Easter. Just uh, the desire for things, the love of things, the love of the idea of having things, and the joy of going to a store and seeing these things in real life, being able to touch them, to run around the aisles at the store shooting each other with the toy guns. Legos, 
bicycles, bicycle seats, accessories, horns, bicycle speedometers, an AM radio that would strap right to your bicycle handles with a speaker facing your face. I guess that I could have potentially driven down the street while listening to the hog reports on AM 740. I could have caught the weather from WBAP. I could have listened later in the day when an old lady at the Library Association interviews other old ladies that have done great things in the town of Mobile, Alabama. Hell, I like that uh, way AM static sounds. I like the way it changes when you ride underneath the power lines on your bike. The Atari 5200, a product that could have been the greatest video game machine of all time, it went awry. The first problem. It was not backwards compatible with the Atari 2600. Why? The Atari 2600 was a very odd little collection of silicon. The TIA, the 6502, you couldn't very well add that as well as the other processor and still get in at the price point. These machines had been three, four hundred dollars when they came out in 1977 dollars. By the time the Atari 5200 launched, what was that, 1980? By the time that launched, the market had changed. There were competitors. People had figured out the razor and razor blade model. The idea that you sell the handle for cost and then you make up all your margin with ongoing revenue at great margin. So they came in at a low price point. That was the main goal. It was still higher than most people thought they wanted to spend on an arcade machine because by this point, the regular Atari was down to around $149. So you really couldn't expect too much more. It was a, it was a dang, uh, dang old rock and a hard place, man. That's one of them uh, old rocks and hard places. Man, you got yourself a rock and a hard place there. It's like the song by the Rolling Stones. And a rock and a hard place. Yeah, baby. Rock and a hard place. I like it. I dig it. One of my favorite products from being a child was the Mark's Toy Company Green Machine. The green machine was neon green with a big black mag wheel up front with alternating colors of silver and black. And oh, how it shone in the light. In front of you, instead of a steering wheel, were two long sticks. And you would push the left stick forward, the right stick back. And that would make you go left. And you would reverse it right 
fist all the way forward, left fist all the way back, and you could go right. Man. It's big trick was the fact that the wheels in the back were slicks. So you would build up any amount of speed, quickly push it to the extremes on the controls, and you would spin out. You know, big wheels were all about spinning out. They had that brake. They had that brake. You pull that emergency brake on a big wheel, man. You were spinning out. And hopefully you could do it right over your friend's head. Like, ideally, I think with a big wheel, the idea is that one uh, six-year-old uh, boy, Chad, me, is riding his big wheel as fast as he can towards young Frank uh, and, uh, and Mike Mastriano and, uh, and PQ River. And Shambles is standing over there. They've got kazoos. And what's he doing with a funeral kazoo? PQ, what? You know, he's always an interesting musician, this kid. It's always picking up the Jew's harp or the uh, the old kazoo, but but today I see he's got a funeral kazoo, and uh, I guess he's gonna give us some of his that little bit of uh, the bear meets the train, mon frere. And uh, as I come in fast, you know, I'm coming right towards them. Oh, Doc's over there, and, uh, and I'm coming right at them. Nate, hey, it was a good man. D Dave in Kentucky. Oh man, that's so cool. It's, uh, uh, anyway, Eddie, hey man, and um, oh wow, that's uh, down in uh, Australia. It is nice to see uh, Rubenerd and uh, Clara. Uh, so I'm coming right at them, you know, and I pull the handle, and anyway, you zip right in, you clip them right at their knees. They flip up in the air, they land down, and then my back wheels bump over the, uh, their heads right afterwards. And my mother calls us all in. We go in. Everyone has a big glass of ice-cold chocolate milk and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on... Sorry, it's not white bread. It was, my mom was really into the Roman meal, uh, but she does cut the crust off. And then we can sit down and watch the uh, Mickey Mouse Club together. It comes on every day on the television. A product that I'm enjoying recently is a shelving system from a company called Wall Control. Do you remember pegboards? You know, you're going to hang tools on the wall. You might have a whole wall of pegboard. And it's made out of compressed fibers. And it always ends up tearing. Or if it gets wet, it gets all funky. And uh, the hooks don't hold. Or they come out when you're trying to lift the tool out. Wall control has sold, solved all these issues. Uh, they sell these colored panels, any color you want. And they've got special hooks that go in and then lock down. And, uh, you know, it's permanent. So you put them up where you want to hold your tools. And then you can uh, put all these hooks up, these special hooks that don't come out. Now, those hooks are expensive. But I figured out through craftiness, friend... Nothing more than pure craftiness. I'm glad I'm getting to share this with you right now. Get a wall control board, and you can buy the regular hooks. But the secret is, is you can get these little rubber grommets that fit in those holes. And because you're using this metal wall board, 
you can really put pressure on them to push these little rubber grommets in, you know? And so they're settled. And so now where the hooks that you're putting in there, they're, they're insulated and uh, they're kind of gripping, you know? They're, they're, it's like got a grip on some, what, Kegel exercises? Well, they do the, uh, why don't you do some Kegel exercises and get a grip? Hey, get a grip, man. Go do some Kegel exercises. <laughs> Can you get a grip and do some Kegel exercises? Okay. Well, if, if you're going to start, if you're going to start right now, I've got a bucket of paint filler with your name on it, and it's plaid paint. I've got a special little brush, and you ain't going to believe how it goes on the the other benefit of this uh, wall control board is that being metal, it's magnetic. So I got these bar magnets, like 36 inches long, you know, bar magnets. And they're in these little metal channels, but you can put your tools on them. So your tools are being held with no hooks whatsoever. It's cruelty-free. Free-range tools. And I love it. I'm having a really good time organizing it. I need to purchase more products for that room, but I need to make some money first. Um, I need to purchase a stool. I need a uh, a magnifying lamp, you know, on a swivel, like kind of the springed. You can pull it around and look at the little Hot Wheels cars you're trying to paint. And uh, But then I can sit there, you know, at that desk. And it's out in the garage, got a window next to it. I can exhaust the fumes out of there or, uh, or just close the whole thing up and hotbox the afternoon away with the model airplane blue and the paint fumes, the lead butyl acetate, and the solvent trichloroethanes, along with uh, refrigerant stored in plastic hefty bags. Your mom's got a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, your mom's refrigerator, like an Amana or an LG or a Samsung. The problem with Samsung refrigerators is that product exists in a weird bubble where it's one of the more popular units sold, yet the ice machine in it just frankly does not work. A, a Kenmore from 1974 would have a better ice maker that would still be working compared to uh, to one of these Samsung refrigerators. It's the only product of that type, of that expense, that I ever bought. At the old house, I bought one, and a year later, I sold it through Facebook, Craigslist, one of those local marketplace deals. And I think I sold the thing for like $300, man, because who wants to buy a used refrigerator, you know? You're just not going to get top dollar selling used refrigerators. It's too personal. People know that you're storing bodily fluids in there. They know what you uh, might be getting up to with the refrigerator, and it scares them. The the uh, It's fantasies, mostly. They're fantasizing. Perhaps fetishizing all these things that I might be doing with my refrigerator. But, man, I'm, I'm so normal. I'm like that guy Dagwood from Blondie. 
And he's, he's got the wife and he's got that little kid, Dennis, and then the, the man next door getting upset at stuff. So you could pay comfortably 50, 60% of the price. But anyway, you know, you, you got to let these things go because people don't want to buy a used refrigerator. It just, it's like buying uh, used underwear. You got to give a big discount to make it worthwhile. But the problem was is that the ice machine would freeze up about once a month. And you would have to open the, uh, the ice machine contraption in the door. And it would be all frozen. So when you open it, ice falls out along the edges onto the floor. You know, and, and, and if your wife's mopped recently, now you're going to get yelled at for making a mess. So then you open the ice machine proper, and it's all frozen up. And so you think, God, i got to take this ice bucket out of here and dump it in the sink and just start fresh because this thing's basically like a big block, you know. Until so you take it out, and uh, when you do, when you un-remove un it, there's all these little ice crystals and pieces that fall out, and it really is just unpleasant to deal with. And, and the fact that you can't push a button and have ice is really counter to... Um, what was I telling you about 1978 being a kid, how wonderful it was? Well, that's why my generation uh, just frankly will not accept an ice maker that's not of the push-button-get-ice variety. You know, we're soft. We've been softened by success, perhaps ruined by our own success. And one interesting part about it is that for as long as I can remember as a kid, I not only knew the story of the fall of Rome, but I knew that we were retracing the steps of the fall of Rome. And I think that's an interesting perspective from a Gen Xer, is that not only did we deal with the constant threat of nuclear annihilation, or the Soviets just taking over, it was... Um, it was also the fact that 90 years later, we would all be dead. Yeah, but we were also told about constantly that we were reliving the fall of Rome and a whole society was headed for a crash. And it's just, you know. And so it's been like a interesting 30-year train wreck watching it actually happen because it didn't seem to really get going till uh, maybe after 9-11. I, I know it kicked into high gear after uh, uh, Obama, the Obama project was realized and put into place. But um, yeah, just this, uh, just this fall of, a, of an empire. It's sad, because it was fun, and uh, and the malls were wonderful. I think if if anyone on the planet could um, could just put a pause on their feelings of uh, starvation or jealousy or whatever it is, if they could just put push that pause button and let me teleport them to 1982 at Bel Air Mall in the arcade, Lad's Castle playing tokens in a little uh, velvet bag with Aladdin's castle so, shown, uh, sewn into it. And then we go out and we'll uh, 
go across to the Hickory Farms, where the lady will look at us funny, because she know we just want the free sausage and cheese. But she'll give it to us, you know. To, you smile at her, be a cute kid. You, you know, you'll make out like a bandit. The thing is, you can't just go in there like a surly teenager, because, you know, who wants to deal with that, right? I know I don't. That's why sometimes I prefer just uh, stopping at a gas station when I'm out to get a Coke. I, I used to drive through fast food restaurants, but I no longer find the interactions uh, tolerable. You know, it's just, um, it's frustrating. I, I guess unmotivated, surly, um, bitter, disgusted, depressed, angry. Yeah. It's not worth it, you know, to, to get a fountain drink. And I think Coca-Cola knows this. I think that's why they price those 20-ounce Cokes at about $2.09 each. Can you believe that? Can you believe we're paying $2.19? for a gallon of gasoline? That's what I, I filled up today, and it was uh, $4 a gallon in the old Pelham, Texas. So I hope you guys are, are doing better. And um, Oh, here's a trade secret. Your car it actually will run on water for a little while anyway depending on how much uh, gas was left in the tank. Still might be a good idea. If the car died, maybe you could find another method of uh, transportation that would be more conducive to not having to, uh, to pay too much money for gasoline at the pump. Happens to Megatroid even. McGillicuddy, I can't do this. Exit even, stage left. Gas prices are entirely too high. I think we should start the Third World War. Oh, maybe it would distract from the crimes that were committed over the last few years if we could have a Third World War. And that's the big product. The big product is selling you on going to war with Russia. That will solve the elite's last problems to making you a total slave. Don't do it. You be the product you want to be. You be your own Product 19. The quality goes in before the name goes on. Titfoss. You could live a lifetime and not get a shave like this. Nobody knows it's not butter. Why, I can't believe it's not butter. Country time lemonade. Tastes just like the good old days. Ford. Quality is job one. We'll leave the light on for you. Elevators. Everyone loves elevator. Now there's the elevator within elevator solution. For your home. Sky King. Personal elevator systems. Come with robotic owl servants. Featuring our detachable storage heads. They make fine places for collectibles edibles, as well as corrosive and flammable materials. You can store lava in their heads.
The elevator proudly makes 1,400 decisions a second about your comfort, height, and width. The elevator has a four-polar coordinate system. Sky King, for the ride of your life. Sky King, personal elevator system. Whatever happened to Quasar? Quasar. Oh, the jingles. You get the jingles going in your head and you're finished all together. So I will avoid that. And I will thank everybody for being a part of uh, this. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thank uh, the um, little uh, <clears throat> spirits of fortune. That was a fortuitous timing that allowed us to listen to Ched together on this transmission. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're having fun. We're having fun again. And uh, yeah, you got the controls set from before. Yeah, uh, you can engage at any time because I've told you everything you need to know. And uh, we're, we're done here. We can go back to whatever it is we do and think 1989.